Thank you, Paddy, for reading for us. Uh, now, Daniel chapter 12 has got in the middle of it, in verse 4, this reference to he's, where Daniel's told to shut up and seal the words of the book and that people will run to and fro as if they're looking to find information and knowledge shall increase. And that's a way of telling Daniel, look, Daniel, you have everything you need to know in this book, in the book that uh, you've been, had revealed to you, and people will search for knowledge, but the answers are here. And so let's pray as we begin that the Lord will reveal to us uh, his truth uh, as we look at this wonderful passage. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, we thank you for your words, and we thank you that you have preserved your words, uh, that it was written all those years ago, and that yet we can read it here in the 21st century in Scotland. Uh, we're grateful for that, and we know that your word is a living word, and we pray that you would speak through your word to us tonight. In that regard, Lord God, we ask that you would open our hearts, that we might receive your word gladly, and that it might change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, endings matter. So think the film Casablanca, Rick and Louie, they walk off into the fog, and he says, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Or the final scene in, in Blackadder goes forth, the greatest TV ending in history, in my opinion. Uh, First World War, Captain Blackadder and his friends, they go over the top into the teeth of machine gun fire. Or Gladiator, um, Maximus, he's strolling through the fields of Elysium in the sunshine, his hands grazing over the tops of the wheat until he meets his family in the afterlife. It's a beautiful ending. Endings matter, they lodge in our memory. They've got power to move our hearts. And they often leave us with two things, both the sense of the whole of what we've seen already, but also with a sense of the future, of what's coming next. And Daniel 12 is no different. It's a wonderful ending to the great sweep of uh, the vision that we saw last week. And it's a wonderful ending to the epic story of the whole book. But it also gives us a sense of what's to come. Daniel 12 is the last part of the great prophecy of the book of Daniel. And it's the last that we hear of Daniel's life. He's been exiled with the Jewish people to Babylon. That happened in his teenage years. And he's been there for over 70 years. He's in his late 80s or early 90s by now. And God gives him this final vision. And in the vision, the Son of Man, Jesus peels back the curtain and lets Daniel see the earthly and heavenly war that would be raging over the coming centuries. And he offers him hope that God's people will endure all the hardships that will come. Now to understand Daniel 12, we're going to have to ask three questions of this passage, and they're on the back of the service sheet. Uh, one question is from us, one's from the angel, and one's from Daniel himself. So when will the end happen? What will happen at the end? And what will the outcome be? So first of all, this is the question from us. When will the end happen? And this is the trickiest question to answer. Chapter 12 begins with the words, at that time. 
And so we need to know, well, what time is that referring to? And of course, to, to know that, then we must look back into chapter 11. The last reference to time was there in 11 verse 40, which said that the events described were those of the time of the end. So it makes sense then that chapter 12 is talking also about that time, the time of the end. Now think back to last week. We said that the events described in chapter 11 were this grand tour of history from the perspective of Daniel's people in Israel. They predicted in really incredible detail the events that would take place during the period given to us at the very start of the book of Daniel, from Daniel's day in Persia in 536 BC all the way up to the days of the Roman Empire. And we left the scene last week in verse 45 with the Roman army camped outside the walls of Jerusalem. So that's the time that we're talking about as we enter chapter 12. But in what sense is that the time of the end? Well, we closed last week by thinking back to Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2. Remember, it was a statue, different types of metal. It referred to these successive kingdoms that ruled over Israel, that of Babylon and then Persia, which followed it, then Greece and then Rome, and that during that time of Rome, the Rome's rule over Israel, God's kingdom would come like a great rock to smash those kingdoms to bits before then becoming this great everlasting kingdom that filled the earth. And so that's the end of the story that we're still waiting for, the the time that the kingdom comes. That's one reference for us. Now, the other really important reference is in chapter 9. Now, chapter 9 is a vision uh, where it's declared to be these, this period of 70 weeks. And I'd like us just to, to look at it together. Uh, it's chapter 9, verse 26 to 27. By the way, we're going to look at a couple of different places in the Bible tonight, so it'd be really helpful if you have a Bible handy and you can flick to these things. So chapter 9, verse 26 to 27, a figurative period of 70 weeks. Verse 26, and after the 62 weeks, there's already been seven, so we're now in week 69. In week 69, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. That's the death of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and its sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. Verse 27. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. So there we're told what to expect at the time of the end. Its end shall come like a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. Now all of that is by way of saying, from chapter 2 to chapter 9, and then into this last vision, that the book of Daniel has given us this constant time frame, from the Babylonian exile through to the Roman Empire, and it's said all the way through that at that point, 
during the Roman occupation of Israel, the Son of Man will appear, first of all, as the Messiah, that he be crucified to atone for sins, that he'd be given his kingdom, and end of chapter 9, that during that time, Daniel's people would suffer a great deal, and that something, something cataclysmic would happen to the temple, the sacrifice system, Jerusalem, the Jewish nation. Desolations decreed for this time of the end. So that's the time that this means. Now, does that match up with what we see in chapter 12? Turn back there and we'll look at chapter 12. So the book of Daniel has told us to expect this disaster at the time of the end during the Roman time. Is that what's here in chapter 12? What are we told in verse 1? What we're told there is that during this time, the archangel Michael stands up and fights to protect the people of God in a time of unparalleled distress. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. Now, flick forward a few verses, we get some more information on the time in verse 5 to 7. Uh, there Daniel overhears the, the angel ask the when question of the Son of Man, the one who's dressed in linen. So let's look at verse 6 and 7. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, that's the Son of Man, how long shall it be till, these, till the end of these wonders? He's asking the when question, when will this happen? Verse 7, I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and half a time and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. So this period of intense suffering would take place for a time, times and half a time. That's a way of talking about a defined period of time. And perhaps it kind of indicates that it will quicken in intensity. So time times, but then will be cut short, just half a time. And it's the same phrase that was used in chapter 7 of the same period. But crucially, the when of this is the end of verse 7, isn't it? So when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. It seems that this time of the end would break the power of God's people in some way. Then a bit further on, we get some more detail. Here's verse 11. And from that time, from the time, sorry, let me start that again. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So we're told here again that it it involves the removal of the sacrifice system and another abomination that makes desolate. And it shall take 1,290 days. That's a a fixed period of time in in God's calendar. Uh, It's it's three and a half years. It's the same as time, times, and half a time in a sort of um, uh, metaphorical sense. And the additional bit of info in verse 12 that it perhaps may even extend a little bit longer. Uh, 1,335 days. There's blessing for those who endure those extra days. Now, that's, that's what Daniel 12 says about the when. That's, that's the sort of what it's actually saying. 
about the time of the end, but what does it mean? What does that actually refer to? Well, remember, first of all, who's speaking. It's the Son of Man. He's the one who knows the course of history. He holds history in his hand. And when this Son of Man comes to earth as the man Jesus Christ, he uses very similar language to what he uses here in Daniel 12. And he uses it to speak of the coming destruction of the Jerusalem temple by the Roman armies in AD 70. And it's the only place in the New Testament where the prophet Daniel is mentioned by name. And so I'd like us to have a look at that passage now. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's Matthew Matthew chapter 24, and it's page 829, if you've got the church Bible. So Matthew 24, Jesus has been talking to his disciples about the, the coming destruction of the temple, that it will be pulled down. And this is what he says. Just have a look at verse, we'll only read part of it, but look at verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So in other words, those who have read Daniel's prophecy... Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let the one who's in the field not return, uh, turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flights may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. See the similarities of language? There's a note from Matthew, this call to understand. And the wise in Daniel 12, verse 10, they're, they're the ones who understand. Jesus explicitly talks about the abomination of desolation in the temple that that Daniel spoke of. And that's there in verse 11 of Daniel 12. The abomination that makes desolate is set up. Jesus says that this is coming. And it does. In history, in AD 68, the Jewish zealots, they turned the temple into military headquarters And that would upset others in the city. There'd be a bloody battle in the temple itself. Then after a short respite in AD 70, the Roman armies, they besiege the city and then they desecrate and destroy the temple and they burn it down to the floor and it's never built again. So it is indeed for the people of God a great tribulation such has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. But notice Jesus also says this, that the time will be cut short for the sake of the elect. It won't carry on. There'll be a time when it comes to an end. So Jesus is talking about Daniel 12. The when of the end, I don't think in the first instance here, is about the end times, as in the end of the world. 
That would be a huge jump in our time frame, wouldn't it? It's, it's, uh, we've seen in the book of Daniel. But rather primarily, it's about the end of the time described in the book of Daniel. The kingdom of the Son of Man will begin this period of history in the Roman age. And specifically, when Jesus Christ comes, when his kingdom comes, the temple will be destroyed. It will, it will be the end of the Jewish nation as the exclusive covenant people of God. That's the end. That's the when. That's what verse 7 means. When the power of the holy people is shattered. Now, all of that sounds really bleak, doesn't it? Daniel's final scene seems to be, from what we've noted there, to, predicting, to be predicting an awful future for the people of God. Suffering, desolation, shattering, death. But that's not the only thing that this passage has to say. So let's come to our second question. What will happen at the end, and it's in verses 1 to 4. These first four verses, they tell us what will take place. And we've already seen the suffering of, of AD 70, this uh, great traumatic event that will, that will happen, the end of the Jewish nation as the covenant people of God. But is that it for the Jews? Does that, is that just the end of the story for them? I mean, what must Daniel be feeling here? Are his people doomed? And the answer is no. Not all of them. Just look at the second part of verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. This is really great news for Daniel. There will be some of Daniel's people who will be delivered from destruction. Note that it's not all the people, just some, just those whose names are written in the book. That's the book of life, where Jesus records, uh, where God records the, name, the names of the elect, those he's chosen for salvation. So what does that mean? Well, it means that God is revealing to Daniel what Jesus makes clear in the New Testament that though suffering will come for the Jews through the Roman persecution, some of them will be saved. Who? Well, those whose names are written in the book of life, or as Jesus calls them, the elect, those who had faith in him as their Messiah, his disciples. Now, we know from the historical record that when Rome began to circle Jerusalem, that many of the Jewish disciples of Jesus did take his instruction. They fled the city and were saved. But as we look at these verses in verse 2 to 4, we, we begin to see that, that perhaps there's a much greater salvation in view. Perhaps it's more than just merely the Roman destruction that they're saved from. And we talked about this right early on in the series as we started to look at what, how prophecy works. Do you remember, and we talked about sort of mountaintops, and you can, if you look along a mountain range, you can see a peak. But then behind it, there's another peak. 
Another image people use is they talk about a telescope. So you know the collapsible telescopes? So you'd have a series of lenses along there that are at different distances, but then at some point you collapse them together and it looks the same. The lenses are in the same place. Well, perhaps what's going on here is something like that, that we're looking at the first peak and we're seeing something of the peak that's beyond. Or we're looking at the first lens and we're seeing the other lenses um, as they extend out through history. So what does verse 2 to 4 say? Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So these verses are, are telling us that in this period of history, at the beginning of the Roman occupation, many people will move from death to life. And that after that they will shine like stars as they lead many others to righteousness. And that, that shining won't just be for now, but will go on into eternity. So this is the clearest reference in the whole of the Old Testament of the hope of resurrection life. That people will rise from the dead to eternal life. And not only that, there's a hope here of people turning to righteousness to shine like the stars forever. But when we think about it, the book of Daniel has been filled with incidents of God rescuing his people from death. Just cast your minds back. Chapter 1. Daniel and his three friends emerge from the death and destruction of Jerusalem to new life in Babylon. Chapter 2, all the wise men of Babylon who can't interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream are sentenced to death, but God rescues Daniel and his friends from, by being able to interpret it. Chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they're thrown into the fiery furnace, certain death, but the Son of Man appears to rescue them and bring them out alive. Chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar descends into insanity, but then is restored and exalted as he uh, turns in humility to worship God. Chapter 5, Babylon is sacked by the Medes and the Persians, but Daniel comes through unscathed and is given high position. And of course, chapter 6, most famously, Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. His tomb is sealed, yet he rises in the morning. And God, at that point, is declared by the pagan king to be the God who rescues and who saves. And in fact, even in the last chapters of the book, we've seen the same theme emerging. The prophecies from Daniel chapter 7 onwards, they reveal God's people again and again being persecuted harshly by the great empires, looking like they're going to be wiped out, and yet coming through the persecution by the grace and saving hand of God. See, all of these examples are just hints for us of God saving from death to life. And they're pointing us to one big truth, that the God of Daniel, our God, 
is the God who brings new life out of death for his servants. And it's revealed here in chapter 12 by the Son of Man, by Jesus, that just as God's covenant with national Israel is closing, so a new kingdom is beginning. A new covenant people are being formed. And many will receive this new resurrection life. Life which begins here and now in this moment, but which then lasts for eternity. And I want you to see that Jesus says this himself when we get to the Gospels. And so we're going to turn and look at that in John chapter 5. It's page 890. This is the last reference, I promise. John chapter 5, page 890. And verse 24. Is Jesus, the Son of Man, speaking. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of life. Of judgment. Jesus is saying that those who hear his word and believe in him have crossed from death to life, here and now. And Jesus says that an hour is coming and is now here for the dead to hear the voice of the Son of God and live, here and now. Every human being is dead in their sins before God, spiritually dead, destined for eternal judgments. They cannot respond to him. Dead people can't respond to much of anything. And so there's no hope, but the voice of the Son of God can raise the dead to new life. And this resurrection life begins spiritually now, but then physically. That's what verse 28 and 29 are saying. This is the quote from Daniel chapter 12. That physically at the final day, the dead will in Christ will rise to live forever. But don't miss the warning. The Son of Man, Jesus, also has authority to judge. And we read in Daniel 12, verse 2, that some would be raised to everlasting shame and contempt. What Jesus calls here the resurrection of judgment if you hear the voice of Jesus calling you to faith in himself and you refuse to listen, well then you bring judgment upon yourself. Many in Israel did hear Jesus speak and they didn't want to know. They rejected his message. They rejected him sending him to the cross. 
And this brought judgment and destruction upon them. And at the final day, they will rise, but not to life, only to be covered in shame and everlasting contempt. A fearful thing. Let's sum this up. What does Daniel 12, 1 to 4 say will happen at the end? Well, the kingdom will come. When the kingdom of the Son of Man comes in the Roman age, the old covenant with national Israel closes as the temple is destroyed. And as that is taking place, so the kingdom of the Son of Man will emerge. A kingdom that will never end. A kingdom that even the last enemy of death cannot defeat. A kingdom of resurrection life and of righteousness. Now what I hope that is for Daniel and for the people of his day, but also for us, we live in the day of this kingdom. This resurrection life is available to us now if we will hear the voice of Jesus and believe. Two questions through, one to go. Final question. Daniel's question, what will the outcome be? Verse 8 to 13. Now in response to the news that the power of the holy people will be shattered, Daniel says, I heard but I did not understand. And then he asks a question. I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? This is the last thing Daniel says in the book. Of course, we've got some sympathy with him. How could he possibly understand? You know, he's so far from the fulfillment of these things. How could he know? But it's not all revealed to him here. It's it's revealed when the Son of Man comes in the flesh, in the Lord Jesus. And so the dominant phrase in the answer that he gets is this, go your way. You see, he's told it twice, verse 9. Son of man replies to him, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And then the Son of Man gives him some more confirmation of the timing and the temple's fall, which we've looked at before. And assured him that there's blessing for the wise who will faithfully endure these things. But then again, verse 13. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. This is gracious, gentle reassurance to an old man. Carry on, Daniel. Live as you've been living. How has he lived? Well, we've seen, haven't we, that the, through the trials that he's faced, indeed because of the trials that he's faced, Daniel has become a holy and godly man. He's been purified, refined in faith. He's learned that God is good and that God brings his people through. He's endured several trials and known God's faithfulness in each. And that's built in him an inner strength to persevere, to preserve his faith until the end of his life. 
And God's people are going to need to do the same thing. I think, actually, that's what the reference to the extra days are there in verse 12. There's still some suffering to come, and we need to hang on in there. Of course, suffering for God's people doesn't end in AD 70. There's ongoing opposition. There are figures like Antiochus and Vespasian still to come. Just think of those leaders and governments that are acting just like them today. We have to keep going in faith to our end, either when Christ returns or when, like Daniel, we're laid in the grave awaiting our resurrection. And that's the final thing. The outcome of all this for Daniel and for those who trust in the Son of Man is that we can rest in peace. You see that in the last verse. Go your way till the end and you shall rest and then shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Daniel's name is written in the book of life. He's faithfully served God until the end of his days. He's been refined in faith along the way, purified through trials, made holy. He's endured to the end and he will rise on the final day. And he will shine like the brightness of the sky above and like the stars forever and ever. And that knowledge means that he can truly rest in peace. He can be confident that his future bodily glorious resurrection is secure. And that kind of security in the face of death is only available for those who trust in the Son of Man, in Jesus. Only those can know this kind of peace in the face of death. And so do you have that kind of peace? If you have faith in Jesus Christ who died for your sins and was raised to new life, then you too can know this secure and great hope of resurrection and future glory. And that will enable you to face whatever happens in history, the turning of kingdoms, the threats to the church, the rise of war, whatever happens, even when you face your own death, you find you can rest in peace. Go your way till the end, and you shall rest, and you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful book of Daniel. Thank you for all that it has taught us about your sovereignty, about your rule over history. Thank you for the assurance that the great kings and empires are not in control of things, that only the Son of Man rules. And Lord God, thank you for this wonderful last uh, uh, part of the vision, which reveals to us that there is resurrection and life available to us if we trust in the Son of Man. Lord God, would you secure that hope in our hearts today that whatever comes tomorrow, whatever comes in this next year, 
and even in the final days of our lives, that we would rest secure that resurrection is in our future because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Help us to believe this. Help us to trust in the word of uh, the Son of Man. Make this real to our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.